It's your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day, final show of the week, and hope you guys are having a great day out there and have had a great week. It's first week back, really, from break for a lot of us. If you got some time off during the holidays or even just a long weekend after New Year's and another long one before that for Christmas, this first week back is a little bit of a it's a challenge, especially if you've got kids, right? They're back in school. They're kind of Everybody's just kind of tired getting back to like a regular a regular schedule, a regular routine, things like that. We've definitely felt that in our house, but it also feels good sometimes to get back to doing the things you love to do kind of regularly. The time off feels great, but also so does kind of getting back into into the things that you love to do. And one of those things for me, of course, is this show. So happy to be here today. A great show coming up. Rachel Blount will join me here in a little bit. Star Tribune writer. Um, talk about the PWHL, the new uh, professional women's hockey league that Minnesota is a part of. Played their opener on Wednesday, one three to two at Boston. Home opener Saturday at XL Energy Center. More than seven thousand tickets already sold for that game against Montreal. It's an afternoon game. Rachel will talk us through kind of how this league came to be formed, um, what Minnesota's place is in it, who is on this team, what what this operation even looks like, things like that. But it's been an impressive thing to watch so far, a very professional league uh, in all aspects. And Rachel will dive into that with me here in just a little bit. Got to talk about uh, Vikings a little bit at the end of the show and a Ricky Rubio thought at the end of the show as well. Rubio announcing um, essentially his retirement from the NBA uh, in a statement on Thursday. Longtime Timberwolves point guard. We'll get into um, Ricky Rubio's legacy with the Wolves here in a little bit. Um, got a wild thought in just a second here. First, though, we got to start with... The uh, Gopher men's basketball team, and what did I miss? Gophers men's basketball team beats Michigan 73-71 in Ann Arbor. Uh, one of the biggest wins of the Ben Johnson coaching era. Haven't been enough of them, but um, right now feeling pretty good about where this team is. We're not, I'm not ready to say we're not ready to say this is a good team, right? This is a team that beat up on a lot of bad non-conference teams, but a team that has enough to withstand the loss of their leading scorer, Dawson Garcia, to win that game against Nebraska earlier this year, and to go on a nice little run during non-conference play. That got my attention. Now, this game against Michigan, Michigan, by the way, this is not a great Michigan team, of course. They're 6-8 and eight now. Jawan Howard is coaching the team. He's not running around the court with the Fab Five. This is not the Michigan team that you might have remembered from a generation ago or even just a few years ago when they were uh, you know when they were competing for Big 10 titles and national titles that said this is still a name brand program this is still a road win at Michigan game where they had to show some poise they were down in the second half then they were up seven late got down to two needed a defensive stop at the end got that defensive stop didn't foul win the game 73 71 balanced scoring again and the thing we can say about this team right now is that even though even if we're not ready to say this is a good team yet this is a much better team than we've seen this is ben johnson's best team by far he seems to have done much better work in the transfer portal this time around. Elijah Hawkins can play. Elijah Hawkins, their point guard, he can play. Uh, Mike Mitchell, he can play. Those two guys 
have kind of asserted themselves, put themselves into different roles, different echelons in the last handful of games. And now that Dawson Garcia is back, now that you see continued emergence of Feral Payne, you see the continued emergence of Cam Christie, Braden Carrington is back now, Josh Ola Joseph. Like there's there's players up and down this roster, not superstars, but players, guys who can score, guys who are good two-way players, guys like Hawkins who can distribute. There's enough players in any given night, in any given possession that they can score, that they're not dependent on one or two guys, that they have the ability to you know, to to withstand runs, to get baskets, to not fall into these huge, to not fall into these huge holes usually in games. So, just one game. Again, we don't want to make too much of one game, but it, the cause to celebrate if you're the Gophers. You, you've got to take your wins where you can. You've got to take your positive momentum where you can. A win at Michigan in any circumstance is going to be one that gets people's attention. Two and one in the Big Ten now. Eleven and three overall. Home game two days from now against Maryland. Another chance to get a Big Ten win. Three and one if they win that game and getting some serious buzz. Already getting some buzz right now, I would say. Already kind of catching some people's attention, getting some buzz. That that game on Sunday, if they win that game, they should get a you know a little bit of a bump on, on attendance from, from winning this game. If they can win that game, go to three and one. Then they will have a full a full state's attention, not forever, perhaps. You know, this is these things can be fleeting, but that would get people's attention in a different sort of way, which they already have. If they're starting to build that right now, winning at Michigan, they can sustain that even more if they win Sunday against Maryland. The Wild, unfortunately, are building a different kind of momentum. Lost their fourth straight game, four to one, to the Lightning on uh, on Thursday night. Team decimated by injuries. We know that Gustafson is out. That hurts. You know, he'd been playing so well since the coaching change. Kaprizov is out. That's your all-star, your best player, your superstar. Zuccarello, Brodeen, Spurgeon. I mean, these are like some of your, like probably four or five of your very best players, guys who are taking up, you know, the a bulk of your salary cap, a bulk of your active salary cap. I think I saw in Sarah McClellan's story the other day that counting the Suter and Parisi buyouts, they've got more than $50 million worth of contracts not playing right now. And the NHL salary cap, you know, that's like 60, 65% of your salary cap not playing right now. That's an, that's an explanation. They would never use that as an excuse. That's a, that is an explanation, though, and that means they are in trouble because none of these guys seem like the return is necessarily imminent. None of these are like season-ending injuries, but even if some, even if a lot of these guys are out for another handful of games, you know, Marcus Foligno, even if these guys are out for another handful of games, um, they're in such a spot right now where they put themselves in such an early season hole with that seven-game losing streak that preceded Dean Evison's firing. If they if they have another stretch like that, which are already four losses in a row now, if they have another stretch like that, it becomes very hard to climb back out of that. Left themselves with very little margin for error. You know, even when, even four games ago before this streak started, you're like, okay, they, they got themselves kind of back to this like even line almost. And now it's like, well, now they're right back kind of where they were before. Maybe not quite that bad, but kind of slid back right into that, right into that spot where you're just on the very fringe of the playoff race and he's kind of scraping for every win. It's a tough spot to be in, especially when you have so many injuries. And I just, I don't feel, a terrible sense of optimism right now at this team because of the injuries, because of you know all those lingering things. Bill Guerin talked to the media um, the other day, kind of talking about no excuses, but he, he would really love to see what this team looked like at full strength. 
you know, newsflash to that, most teams aren't going to be at full strength for most of the year. I know that the Wild have had more injuries than most, especially to key players coming at a bad time, coming in bunches. But I just I feel like the season is kind of on a on a precipice right now, kind of on a, on a tipping point right now where it can go one way or the other. They can either kind of weather this storm, get a couple unexpected wins to kind of carry themselves through until a lot of these guys come back, or it could go a really negative way where then you're like, even if you play out of your mind for the last you know 40 50 games of the season it's not going to be enough to get you back where you want to be grand casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. I have Star Tribune writer Rachel Blount with me here today. Rachel, I want to talk about the PWHL, this new the new Minnesota team in this league. A lot of us kind of familiar with some of the history of of hockey and women's hockey in Minnesota, but this is this feels like a new chapter. Just had their first game Wednesday. They won in Boston three to two, and now the home opener Saturday at XL Energy Center. Feels like there's a lot of buzz and a lot of kind of kind of good momentum for this league right now. But I kind of want to kind of pick your brain on on what what this all is and and where we're going from from there. There really is a lot of of buzz and momentum, and I think. The main reason for that is this league is beginning from a much more solid foundation than previous women's pro hockey leagues in North America. They've got really solid financial backing. And in fact, the the financial backers, Mark Walter, who is the primary owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, co-owner of the Lakers, you know, guy that's steeped in, in big time men's professional sports, they haven't put any ceiling on what they're willing to spend. And in fact, have said they understand that it's going to take a lot of money to get this league off the ground. So, so far, they've absolutely delivered on the promise to make this a professional league on par with men's professional leagues. Everything about it so far has has been extremely legit. Well, that's great. I mean, it, and it feels like, you know, it feels like it it came kind of fast. I mean, these teams, Minnesota doesn't even have a nickname yet, right? Any of these teams don't have a nickname, right? Is it, does that feel like, is it, is it, that element kind of struck me, but I'm sure there's an explanation for that. You know what I think is really interesting about this, Mike, is you're absolutely right. Nobody has a nickname. Uh, the team colors may not be permanent. Everybody's got team colors, but those may change. They've been very open about the fact that, yeah, there are some of the things that you would expect a sports franchise to have before they launch, like a nickname and a logo, that they don't have those. And the reason behind that is Stan Caston, who is uh, the Dodgers uh, president and one of the people that is on the board of the league said that he was advised by any number of people in professional sports to put this off for a year. When the league was announced last summer, folks came to Caston and said, you're nuts if you think you're going to play this season. You've got to give it a year. You've got to give yourself time to get all these pieces in place. And his position and the rest of the board's position was they didn't want these women to have to wait another year. Yeah. These women have fought for so long and they have fought so hard to get a truly professional league that the backers of the league thought, 
we need to let them play as soon as we can and not say, oh, just wait another year. So that's the reason why they've just jumped in feet first here and and gone ahead without having some of those details in place. Yeah, that makes it makes sense. It's it's a, it's a curiosity piece, but it's not like you absolutely need it. So, you know, what you know, what what does it matter at this point? But, you know, they have the opener in Boston, they win the Minnesota franchise wins 3 to 2. There's, you know, several thousand in attendance at, at some of these early games. What struck you? You covered the first game, you covered it remotely. What what struck you about, you know, the production, the game itself and things like that? The level of play was phenomenal. And I think that's what people can expect from this league is for the first time, this is a women's pro hockey league that has all the best players in the world playing in it. Previous U.S. or North American women's pro leagues didn't have everybody. They had, I mean, we just came out of it an era where we had two separate leagues. So now we've got all the best women playing in the same league. It is very much the level of Olympic women's hockey. Anyone who has watched the Olympic women's hockey tournaments, the last few Olympic cycles, that's the kind of play they're going to see here is really fast, great playmaking, outstanding goaltending. That's what we saw last night. Boston had an absolutely terrific offense. They have a number of Minnesota players on their team, people like Hannah Brandt, Gigi Marvin. They were terrific last night, and they were relentless in their attack. They put 35 shots on net, but Minnesota has a goaltender, Nicole Hensley, one of the United States national team goaltenders, and she was amazing last night. She stopped. She, oh, she made so many highlight reel saves. It was just phenomenal watch. So that's what people can expect is from the level of play. And for the TV broadcasts, again, for the first time, they're on a legitimate network. The games are being broadcast on Valley Sports North, and the production values last night were very high. The announcers were quite good. They had all the camera angles that one would expect from a, a, a regular broadcast of, of any hockey game. It was a very polished broadcast. Video quality was high. So that was an, another thing that, that just shows that this league is, is legit. Let's back up just a little bit and kind of talk about how we got here, it sounds like it, it came together fast, like once they announced this in the summer, then six months later, essentially they're playing. But like you alluded to before, prior to this, there was multiple leagues. You had you know, Minnesota, you had the thoroughbreds playing in, in these in this in this league for a while. You have different iterations. How how do we kind of finally get to a place where it feels like it makes a lot more sense? The situation for the previous few years was we had the, the uh, PHF which was a professional league that had included the Minnesota Whitecaps. The Whitecaps, and, right. And then you also had the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, which included the national team players from the U.S. and Canada. So two separate leagues. And that happened because the uh, PHF, its original iteration a bunch of players broke off after they didn't deliver on the salaries that they promised. They had some pay cuts. It upset players. They left and formed a separate league. So for a few years there, you had these competing leagues. And people keep asking about NHL support for this. And the NHL was quite clear during that era. They said until women's hockey can become unified behind one league, they wouldn't support it in any meaningful way. And so 
Over the summer, Mark Walter from the Dodgers and his wife, Kimber Walter, they, in combination with Billie Jean King, who's one of the backers of the league, and Caston from the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. they were the ones that got behind this idea of let's just start from scratch. Let's form a new league. And one of the Minnesota players, Kendall Coyne Schofield, had actually approached Billie Jean King a few years ago about Could you help us? Can you help women's hockey? So that was kind of the genesis for all of this. So it was announced in the summertime. They decided upon six markets. For a while, Minnesota was an outlier. It was believed at first that Minnesota would not have a team in this Mm. new league because it was expected all the teams would be clustered on the East Coast for travel concerns. The Players Association had come to an agreement that said that they needed to fly if it was more than 400 miles away. So folks were thinking, well, to hold travel costs down, they'll probably keep all the teams on the East Coast. But the league decided to give themselves the best chance of success. They needed to be in the best hockey markets. They couldn't leave out Minnesota. So that was how Minnesota got a team. We've got six markets now. They've talked about expansion in the future, but they are starting with six. The league owns all six teams at this point. 24-game schedule. Playoffs will start in May. uh, And in the future, they will have more games. They have very big ambitions. You said at this, the other five are on the East Coast since they right? Boston, New York, and then the three Canada teams, Ottawa, yes, Toronto, and Montreal? Correct, yes. Okay, so the Minnesota already played Boston. Now they're going to host Montreal in this opener. What should we expect? All their games are at XL Energy Center, which I believe you wrote. This is the only team that's playing all of its games in an NHL arena. Um, you know, obviously that's one of the best buildings in the, in the NHL, even though it's, you know, a quarter century old. Now this is a... This is a great home for them to be in. What are their ambitions in terms of, you know, filling that filling that place up, tickets sold, things like that? They've sold around 7,000 tickets for the opener. So I think we can expect a pretty good, pretty enthusiastic crowd. The Whitecaps drew well. They played at Tria Rink, and then yep. they played at the Richfield Ice Arena for a while. And those obviously were quite small venues, but they filled them up and they had good crowds. They sold a lot of season tickets. So we do have a pretty good fan base for women's hockey here. I'm not too surprised that they're selling a lot of tickets for the first game at XL. It will be interesting to see how they do on an ongoing basis at XL to see if that momentum continues through the season. I think it can, given the fact that the quality of play is high and the games are televised. So I think more people will get a chance to see these games on television and then say, hey, I I would like to go there. So I, I think it should be a great atmosphere on Saturday for the opener. It's an afternoon game. Yeah. Uh, I would expect a very lively crowd, a very enthusiastic crowd. I know the team will be really fired up for this. And again, it plays into this idea that this is a new kind of a pro league. This is a better, um, more professional, truly professional league than women's hockey has had before. It really does feel new and fresh this time. This market has certainly supported high quality sports of all kinds, but certainly high quality women's sports. The Lynx have had huge draws, especially when they were really good. The the Minnesota Aurora, you look at that recently and kind of their success story. Um, Go for women's basketball. When they're good, you get those big crowds there. I don't know if this is an apples and oranges comparison, but do the the people who put this franchise here, who, who kind of believe in this being here, 
do they draw upon some of that? Like this is a good market for the support of women's sports in general. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That very much plays a part here that, that the Twin Cities area has a documented history of supporting women's sports. And that was, I think, a huge uh, marker in the favor of putting a, a franchise here in Minnesota. Not just the fact that it's a women's hockey hotbed, but the fact that we do have widespread support for women's sports. They that was very important to them. They were smart with putting this league together. You know, they they set themselves up for success in the best way they possibly could. So that certainly played a part. On the ice, what should, we saw one game so far. Like, what, what do you think we should expect from this team? You obviously, say really good goaltending, some Minnesota flavor. Like, are they expected to compete for a championship this year? There's, there's six teams. I just don't really know what to expect from a competitive standpoint. We, we should, which we should talk about. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a little early actually to know which teams might be your championship contenders. The talent is pretty spread out. Each team was able to sign three free agents to start out, and then they had a draft, and then they had a free agency period after that. So we'll see which of the general managers did the best job of of choosing talent. Natalie Darwitz is the GM for Minnesota, and she has put together a roster heavy on American players, heavy on Minnesotans. There are 13 Minnesota natives on the roster. Taylor Heisey, the former Gophers star, was the number one pick in the draft. She scored the first goal in franchise history last night at Boston, and it was an absolute stunner. She picked up a turnover in the neutral zone, skated into the right circle, and just fired a laser that was bar down for the first mm. goal. Just caught the, the goaltender completely by surprise. It was a fantastic shot. So I think we're going to see a very high talent level from Minnesota. We've we've got a lot of good offensive players on this team, a pretty solid defense. And I knew Hensley was a good goaltender from having seen her with the national team. But holy cow, if she plays like she played last night on a consistent basis, they're going to be hard to beat. Yeah, well, it's and it's exciting. I mean, it's it's, it's brand new. It, it I mean, it isn't. It isn't because we've had professional women's hockey here before. But you get you sense. I mean, seven thousand people. It sounds like there's there's a pretty good groundswell around this already. Do they have any kind of what? Do they have like a five year hopes and dreams kind of thing besides expansion? Like what? How 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 big? I guess can this become? Because I feel like when things are at their infancy, when they kind of when it finally seems like they've figured something out, like with the pro women's basketball you had those two competing leagues early you had the WBL and the WNBA and it was like come on let's 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 how about everybody work together and that was kind of how the men you know men's men's leagues have been like that too but it's like can you finally can you finally see what works and what doesn't work and get this together it does feel like there's a certain kind of like trajectory that this could go on yeah and they haven't announced any concrete plans i think they're also the league folks are are also in a bit of a wait and see mode but the commitment is what's really fresh and new here is the fact that you have a financial backer who has said, I'm willing to put money into this thing and take some losses to get it off the ground. I know that's going to be what it takes. And I'm in it for the long haul. Mark Walter has said this over and over and over that he is in this for the long haul. He understands it does take time for leagues to get off the ground. So the fact that you've got the owner with the deep pockets, 
the fact that for the first time, there's a player agreement, there's a collective bargaining okay. agreement in place here, and it's, it runs for several years. So you've got your labor agreement there with your players, and the players are getting paid real professional salaries as well. Some of the players are making more than $80,000. Okay. We're past the era now where players are doing this kind of part-time and they're trying to have another job and then also make some practices and play in some games and make, you know, 15 or 20 grand from, from playing hockey. We're now past that area. So I, I think given those things that this league really could have some staying power. And like I mentioned, they haven't noted any concrete plans yet, but they do hope they've mentioned in broad terms for an expanded schedule. The 24-game schedule of this year is just a starting point. They anticipate paying more games in the future. They anticipate expansion. So, you know, given given all those factors, I think I think this could be a league that sticks around, does well, expands, and becomes a, a permanent part of the sports landscape. Final thing for you, Rachel, appreciate your time and, and expertise on this subject. The home opener is obviously Saturday, like we said, Saturday afternoon at XL Energy Center. Anything uh, built around that aside from just the hockey game? Or are there any kind of like bells and whistles that, that they're going to bring out for this game? They haven't announced anything okay. yet. I think it's uh, kind of a wait and see for us, but okay. I would expect that they'll have some kind of a pregame light show kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. something going on with that. And uh, other than that, We'll we'll see. I I have not seen an announcement of the anthem singer or or anything like that. But I would guess that being in an NHL arena, that they'll have some high production values. Let's say I would think so too. And and you know, at the end of the day, they'll probably let the hockey speak for itself as well. And it sounds like that was a really high level in the first game, which which Minnesota won three to two. So everybody check that out. Rachel, appreciate it as always. Um, thanks for all the the good details and info, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. Great stuff from Rachel. Interested to see this debut on Saturday. And just got me thinking, what a time to be a Minnesota sports fan, right? Like, no matter what you like, you have tremendous options, right? Like, you've got any, pretty much any pro league, any kind of high-level league you could imagine wanting to watch. You can go to those games, um, you know, Pretty much, you know, whenever those seasons are happening, we got every single, every single league, basically baseball, football, hockey, uh, men's and women's soccer with with the loons and the aurora. You've got men's and women's pro hockey here right now, and we've had a lot of these things for a long time. But I don't, I don't want us to take for granted the options we have here. Hey, you like college sports? Well, we got tons of college sports. Hey, the Gophers aren't your thing? Well, now St. Thomas is Division One. You, you don't love Division One? Hey, there's all sorts of lower division games. Hey, you don't like college? There's tons of great high school options. Like every single thing feels like it is covered here, whatever your niche is, or if you're just a fan of all the sports, what a buffet you have available to you. Again, this is not breaking news, but it just got me thinking like if this is going to be a higher level league than the one we've with the one we've been used to for women's hockey, just another level up in this market. Let us finish with the cooler two thoughts. One Ricky Rubio announcing his retirement on Thursday. He's been te- he's been stepping away from basketball for the past several months to uh, deal with his own mental health. Decided at this point that it is time to call it a career. Obviously, makes you a little bit nostalgic if you are a Timberwolves watcher. 
Drafted in 2009, such anticipation for when he would get here, got here in 2011. Six seasons with the Wolves, didn't make the playoffs in any of those first six years. It was just the one thing I would have wanted for Ricky Rubio in all of his time here, all the joy he brought fans, all of the good he did on the court, the person he was off the court, what I would have wanted for him is just one season here with a really good team. And that was the bummer of all this was that when he got traded, which was 2017, I did a huge oral history on Ricky Rubio's first stint with the Wolves, by the way, back in 2017, when it felt like he was going to be traded and he, he was traded very shortly after that, um, that he was never on a great team. And it was just that what I wanted for him you know, just from, as someone who watched him mostly from afar, what I wanted for him and what he never got was that opportunity to be on a really good Wolves team. And just as he got traded away, they made kind of a lot of those moves that the Thibodeau year where they got Jimmy Butler, where they got Jeff Teague, where they got Taj Gibson, where they brought in a lot of those kind of veterans to fortify what they were building around with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins at the time. They won, I think, 47 games that year, went to the playoffs. I've always wondered, A, what that team might have been like if they had Rubio on that team as their point guard, kind of a glue guy, a guy who wouldn't have had to be the superstar that they were asking him to be, that they were hoping and hoping he would be when he got drafted. Um, someone who could have been a more of a complimentary player, almost like a you know a different stage of his career, but almost like a Mike Conley to this year's team, a guy who brought such savvy, just held everything together. He might have been a great fit on that team, but we will never know about that. And the other thing I wish for him is that he would have been healthy for that entire first, you know, that when they, when he got here, they started clicking. He was playing great. He was just such a such a presence that he hurt his knee. Uh, I was actually there for that game. I was covering that game with the media. I was on press row back when our seats were right there. I was like 10 feet away from Ricky Rubio when he tore his ACL against the Lakers. Um, Non-contact injury. You're like, oh man, what was that? I I wish that would never have happened because I wanted to know how that year would have played out had he not gotten injured. But you don't get a chance to do it over again. You'd only get a chance to see what did play out. I think he, he goes down as one of the most beloved Minnesota Timberwolves players of all time from a fan perspective. He did some amazing things on the court. I wrote tons of good things about him. I wrote some not so flattering things about him, his shooting. I did some research that found he was the worst shooter in modern NBA history by some metrics, like such a polarizing, interesting career. But the one thing that was constant throughout it is he was a tremendous person. As much as we knew about him, he was a tremendous person always, such a good just a good human being, at least from what we could see, and I have never, I've never heard anything to the contrary of that. A, just a remarkable person, and I'm sure he will carry that energy into a well-deserved post-playing career. Final thought, Vikings, Sunday, final game. Still a tiny slice of a chance to make the playoffs. Given that, I want to know, what are you hoping for this weekend? Do you really want to see them beat the Lions, kind of finish on a strong note, maybe just maybe kind of get those those dominoes to fall the way they should and and get you know get into the playoffs sneak into the playoffs as the number 7 seed or in the back of your mind are you saying hey not the worst thing in the world if they lose helps their draft position i think they're in the 12th spot right now could move up to 10 9 even 8 under certain circumstances gets them maybe closer to that franchise quarterback in the draft that they that they 
maybe not so desperately need because they've got options if they re-sign Kirk Cousins, but you know that they that they really probably need to go after if they're going to make a hard reset this year and try to get themselves into Super Bowl contention and not just hey we made the playoffs contention like they have been in these past several years. I'm torn on that. If you're a Vikings fan, I'm torn on what you should be wanting. You never want your team to lose, but. When you get to this point in the season, and it's complicated by the fact that they still have that sliver, that 3% chance to make the playoffs, it's complicated by that. But I don't think losing in this case would be the worst thing in the world. And I wonder how many Vikings fans are carrying that energy into Sunday as well. That will do it for me today. Royce and I, I'm sure, will talk tons about that game on Monday's show, as well as plenty of other stuff. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I'm Michael Rand, back at it again on Monday.